0: What I'm going to share with you, I absolutely, uh, uh, a thousand percent believe is the hidden key to understanding the Word of God. Now, that sounds like an awful strong statement, but when you see what I'm going to teach, now I'm going to lead up to it, I'm going to build upon it line upon line to get to the end, but... God says my people destroyed for what reason? This year, I believe we begin the latter rain. I believe we begin to see miracles happen as I read that prophecy uh, out of the Old Testament and the rabbis confirming that we're going to see miracles where the supernatural becomes common, God manifesting himself in your life every day now once again my people destroy for what reason jesus said in 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 uh to the disciples he said it's not the truth that sets you free but it's the truth that you understand when you with all your getting get wisdom get knowledge and god has showed me a truth That will take all confusion away from the scriptures and I believe this is you you know in an arch they you ever seen how they put build those arches and one side is going this way one side's going this way and then there's a piece in the middle that's called the keystone and that keystone keeps both sides from falling falling down. You know the Bible tells us that in the last days God will rebuild his temple But he said I will build that temple one wall of the Apostles And one wall of the prophets with Jesus the chief cornerstone I'm going to show you this morning A revelation that is that key st- cornerstone in Jesus Christ Are you ready? Open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 4 now, when you see, now I'm going I'm to build upon it, line upon line, precept upon precept. And when you see it, how many have ever heard the saying, it's been hiding in plain sight? When we see this, now give me a, give me a, a few moments to build this up. Because this is what God has been preparing us for since I made that trip to Israel 13 years ago and the lord said i'll teach you to reread the bible with the eyes of a jewish jesus read with me in ephesians chapter 4 starting with verse 11 and he himself gave some to be apostles some prophets some evangelists some pastors some teachers for this reason to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of christ and he'll do this until we all Come to the unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of Man to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now let me stop right there because I, I, we need to build this line upon line. Now remember there's a way to study the Bible. In, in studying the Bible there are four levels of study. One is what it means. The first one, the simplest one, is milk. And, of course, we know Paul said you can't give meat to somebody who's still on milk. So you ha- we have to start with the milk. The milk of it is, is is the simplest understanding on the surface. And then you start getting into understanding the revelation and the mysteries of the Bible. We learn that in the studying of the Word of God and in the teachings of the prophets and of Jesus... This is a method known in the Mideast as Calva-Omer, which means he starts us on the least and takes us to the greatest. He starts us with the milk and takes us to the meat. Okay, Here he says something that most of Christianity misses. He said, God gives apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers for this reason. For the edifying of the saints, an apostle is different than a prophet. A prophet is different than a teacher. I can remember when um, uh, pastors started saying to me, now, Pastor Larry, I'll introduce you any way you, you, you want to be introduced, but you're not a pastor. I remember the first time uh, I was doing a conference down in Florida, and they introduced me to this man and he and a very famous man and he they said this is pastor larry this is years ago before i was ever on television or anything and he said well it's glad to meet you but you're not a pastor and i said no i am a pastor he goes no i heard you preach tonight you're not a pastor and i'm thinking you know buddy i ain't that far away from just (laughs) laying hands on you he said, No, I heard you preach today. You're not a pastor. I said, No, I am. a Look, it's even on my Bible. I got a card somewhere. And he said, No, you're not a pastor. You're an apostle. And back in those days, I said, Well, I don't, you know, who cares about these things? But then as I begin to be exposed to this, I and I understand a, a very good friend of mine, Clarence McLennan said to me one time, he said, Larry, you got to try quit trying to be a pastor. I said, why is that? He said, you're an apostle. I said, I don't even know, understand what that is. And Mark Sharon, I was preaching for him, said, you're not a pastor. I said, all right, what am I? He said, you're an apostle. Well, what's an apostle? Well, he said, an apostle, number one, has a gathering anointing. He said, the apostle is someone that God gives revelation in the word. Now, I am to, to all of us pastor, but I believe the end-time revelation is going to promote the end-time outpouring of God's spirit which is going to promote light dispelling darkness, which is going to promote the Messiah coming back for a glorious bride. Can I have an amen? And so here he says something very powerful. He said, I give these gifts until we come into the unity of faith, that's faith in Jesus Christ, and of knowledge, that's knowledge of the Bible. But you've got to understand something. There was no New Testament when this was spoken so when he's talking about we need to add to our faith knowledge he's talking about knowledge of the Torah or what the church 300 years after Jesus labeled the Old Testament so you and I if we're going to see the fullness how many want to see the fullness of Jesus in your life now I'm going slow today because I want you to get this. How many want to see everything Jesus paid for functioning in full in your life by the blood? How many places? Now, if you think about it, until we started teaching that, nobody ever heard of the seven places Jesus shed his blood. And so my people destroyed for what reason? So we going line upon line. Where do we learn the seven places? Well, we looked at where Jesus shed his blood. We go back to the Torah. So God says, when we add to our faith in Jesus, the knowledge of the Word of God, the Torah, the law, then we will function in the fullness of Jesus Christ. And that's prophetic. To the second coming because when he comes for you and I he's coming for a glorious bride a bride that is manifesting all the promises of God when we go home we're not going home with a moan we're going say it out loud we're going out with a shout and the world's going to want to know what we have now watch this let me go on Verse 14, that we no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine. Now, let me stop right there. What does that mean? Inside of us, there's a hunger for the supernatural. And because there's a hunger for the supernatural put there by God, we end up getting caught up in, instead of doctrine of God, nonsense of men. And this little thing comes through the church, and this little thing, and you know, you know, you know. When I first got saved, the sign of the Holy Ghost was everybody's hand shook like this. And before I got saved, the sign that you had the Holy Ghost is everybody was was hopping like this, and then it went into everybody's laughing and everybody's falling down. We always get into these different winds of doctrine not because we're bad, because God has put in us a hunger for the supernatural anointing of God, but when we add to our faith knowledge, the fullness of Christ will come... And they'll become unity because we won't get caught up in this man's doctrine or that man's doctrine or this latest wind or that latest wind. Baptist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Pentecostal, Church of God and Wholeness. We'll all get rid of the doctrines of men and begin to function in the supernatural power of God. And the unity will come and that will include not only all denominations of Christians but our Jewish brothers and sisters also. Are you ready? Now watch this. No longer uh, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men. Okay? By the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness by which they lay in wait to deceive us. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body has been jointed joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share and causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love now watch this this i say therefore and testify in the lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the gentiles walk in the futility of their mind having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Now, jump down for the sake of time. And verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, this is a scripture that is saying that when we add to our faith knowledge— When we begin to build the tabernacle of God, one wall, the apostles, the New Testament, one wall, the prophets, the Old Testament, with Jesus, that chief cornerstone, that keystone, God will reestablish on earth his divine presence. There will be signs and wonders and miracles, and the world will know that the God we serve is God. All we got to do is add to our faith the knowledge of the Torah everybody say that's simple now in the prophecy series we're teaching we taught on the, 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 the two tabernacles of David one will be the earthly the physical tabernacle when Jesus comes back on a horse but the second one or the first one would be the spiritual tabernacle that's what the prophecy was last night our Friday night going into your dreams and your visions becoming fulfilled and the supernatural functioning in your life in the temple of God that God is building right now in you and in us which is a spiritual one there are three components number one and we shared this but number one it's that the presence of God is manifesting itself 24 7 in the temp tabernacle of David there was no veil there was no curtain that separated God's power from his people. Now listen to what I'm saying. This means this is the latter rain that when we walk in the building and 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 when we're at uh, praying at home or we're laying hands on our children, God is manifesting himself in the supernatural. 24 hours a day and we know that's already paid for because when jesus died on the cross the veil was writ in half and God said I have access; you have access to me now 24 7 that is about to manifest in your life The second part of that was the music so jesus took prayer of the first part The second part is the music that we as a church get away from just music That we play while we park our cars, but people cannot wait to get here for the music because the music is not just talented, it is supernatural. The third part of the tabernacle of David is that there will be no middle wall. So the first part is 24-hour supernatural. Jesus has paid for that. Second part is supernatural praise. That's up to us. When we come and Bobby and the team are leading, you need to lift up your hands and praise him. God inhabits what? Praises of his people. The third part is no middle wall. That means something supernatural has to happen where Jew and Gentile will begin to worship God together. Right? Supernatural miracles, supernatural worship, and supernatural event that jews and gentiles will come together now watch where i'm taking you the problem of jews and gentiles coming together is a two thousand year old problem and the problem is not just one-sided it's two-sided let me let me show you real quick the history of israel so we can understand what god just showed me in deuteronomy 4 don't turn there deuteronomy 4 40 god gives israel The Torah the law the ten commandments And he says to keep his statutes and his commandments which i'm giving you today now watch this That i'm giving you these ten commandments these statutes that it may go well with you And with your children after you that you may live long on the land Which the lord your god is giving you for all time. Now, I want to say that again, because the church says so many times that the Jews followed the the commandments to earn salvation. Now, there's a lot of things that the church does that we think we're earning favor from God. And there's a lot of things that some Jews do that they think they're earning favor for God. But God says, that's not why I gave them. I did not give the Torah. I did not give the law. So that you can find favor with me I've already given you favor. I brought you out of egypt You're saved by grace not by works lest any man should boast And now that i've delivered them and us from slavery He said i'm going to give you some things to live by Why so it may be well with you? So and you have you have a good life and you have a long life. How many, want, how many here want a good life? How many want a good long life? Alright, now watch this. The Torah was never given to save people. It was given, it, the, the word law in Hebrew means a path. It was given so that they would know how to walk. So it would be physically and spiritually good for them. Not to earn love it 's like a parent. a parent loves uh, it, it, I give you my grand sugars. I, I unconditionally, probably over unconditionally love them grandbabies as a matter of fact, I believe on my gra- my grandchildren is the only children that should never be spanked. How many know it 's better to be a grandparent than a parent? Amen. If your kids are giving you fits, hold on. Payday is about to come, amen. But even though we love our children, unconditional love, you do tell your kids, get in there and brush your teeth. Eat your spinach. Say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. Now, they don't brush their teeth and get more love but we're teaching them that not for our good but for their good that's what the torah is that's what the law is now somebody can turn that around and say if you don't brush your teeth you're not going to heaven they may say that but that doesn't make it true are you following what i'm saying he said follow my commandments that it may be well for you, and that you have long life. Now let me. Now I'm getting. I'm, I'm laying this on. So, because when I show you this, it's going to go. Here's the confusion the devil's brought for two thousand years. Now watch this. When Israel was delivered out of Egypt, they had been slaves for four hundred years. They had been living like like all the pagans, and so God brings them out by grace. They didn't earn it they didn't deserve it they were saved from slavery by grace does that sound familiar to anyone he brought them out and he said now if you'll be my people i'll be your god they said man how, why would we say no we just saw you do miracles part the red sea water out of a rock and he said okay so what i'm going to do is i'm going to give you laws a path that you can live by so israel came out God delivered them, they, they saw the blessing of God, but a cycle began to repeat itself in the people of Israel. God would bless them, things would go well, they would begin to hang out with the Gentiles, they begin to act like the Gentiles, get involved with all kinds of things. God would remove his blessing from them they'd cry out and say God have mercy and God would start all over again sound like anybody you know Sound like anybody man. Oh, God help me help me God begins to help us We begin to serve God but all of a sudden things get real good again And pretty soon we're sleeping in on sunday and we're going places. We ought not go boom We get in trouble again. God help me. God help me. God starts it all over again. Why because we've earned it? No, because of his love And so the cycle in israel began to happen over and over again but then israel hit bottom When they went into Babylonian captivity... Now, when they went into Babylonian... We know the prophecies. I've been giving them all these last six weeks. When they came out of Babylonian captivity, they had a meeting in Jerusalem that is called, in literature, the Great Assembly. Ezra, the book of Ezra, he's the scribe. He was the scribe of this Great Assembly. And the reason why they had this Great Assembly is because the leaders of Israel got together and said, God gave us the path to walk on. We keep getting off the path and getting into trouble, so how do we bring all the children of God back to the Torah so that they can stay on the path and we don't keep getting destroyed by our enemy? In Ezra, it says, his, his heart was to study the law of the Lord and practice it to teach his statues and his ordinance in Israel. Now, let me say it again. Every time things went bad, they would call out to God. God would come and bring them rain and bring them crops, defeat their enemy. Things would go good again. Pretty soon, they started not doing what God told them to do and got off the path, the Torah... They would get into trouble. Finally, God said, To teach you a lesson, I'm going to let the enemy, because of you, I'm going to let the enemy come and get you. Babylon came in, got them, brought them into captivity. Now, God said, Now, if you'll repent, in 70 years, I'll bring you back. 70 years to the day, they got back. So they're back in Jerusalem. The church leaders get together and say, What can we do so that this won't happen anymore? and we all follow the torah because every time we get off the path we get in trouble make sense all right now i know i'm laying a lot of history down but you got to hear this to hear this revelation now this is this this is the jewish problem i'll explain a little bit more but before we go any more with the jewish problem let's look at our part what is and this will make really a lot of sense to you what is our problem in building the tabernacle, of Jesus has, has divided the curtain, We're, the, the supernatural is there for us. If we'll enter into praise, the supernatural will be there in our praise and worship. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. So that means that all of, the, all of those involved with worship have got to be laying hold of God before the service, saying, God, give me the right song to sing at the right time and the anointing of God. It's not enough to be able to read notes It's not enough to be able to read the Bible the word kills But the anointing brings life So it's not we we've got to move from we're not and not that we're not but we got but I think we're going up another level We've got to say it's not enough that I can play the notes because I got talent I need to play the notes or sing the songs. It's not enough that I got a good voice It's not enough that I can read Scripture or i got a college education. I need the supernatural anointing of God. But then the third part is is we've got to know how do we tear down that middle wall because it won't happen until Jews and Gentiles are worshiping the same God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, with Jesus, the chief cornerstone. So we've seen a little of the Israeli problem or the Jewish problem. Let's look at our problem. Now in this, remember the prophecy that Rabbi Schneerson, this great, great rabbi that's gone on to be with the Lord, gave. He gave it out of Isaiah 49. Let me read it to you. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I will lift up my hand in an oath. This is the prophecy for us right now. I will lift up my hand in an oath to all Gentiles and set my banner. Now, Now that doesn't mean all That means the Gentiles who have ears to hear and eyes to see. And I will set my banner, that's the flag of victory over every enemy, the victory over poverty, the victory over anger, the victory over drug abuse, the victory over your family. I will lift up my hand in an oath to those Gentiles, and I will set over those that see this my banner, the sign that I am greater than any enemy you face. For they shall bring, the Gentiles that see this, they shall bring your sons, Israel's sons, in their arms back to the, to the Torah, and your daughters they shall carry on their shoulders. Now listen to Isaiah's prophecy. In this last day, this is the tearing down of the middle wall, that the, the, there will be Gentiles. We read Friday, the children of miracles. And they will carry your sons and your daughters, Israel, back to Jerusalem. Now, this is spiritually in their arms and on their shoulders. Have you got this? Now, watch this. Isaiah 66. And among those Gentiles, I will raise up for them priests and Levites. Now, if you didn't hear the thing I taught on on spiritual adoption, you need to get that prophecy. So in this, Rabbi Schneerson is speaking to thousands and thousands of Orthodox Jews about this prophecy of the Gentiles. He says these words, How can a non-Jew, a Gentile, have such spiritual power from God? Because many Jews have abandoned the Torah, the law, and assimilated so they could fit in with the Gentile world. To look like the Gentiles who do not follow. Now I'm going to explain this so just hear it. Who do not follow the seven laws of Noah. So as soon as the Gentiles come back to God's word. They will quickly lead the Jews who have strayed back to God. The world is ready right now for the Messiah. When the Gentile is seen keeping God's word the Jew will ask him, why do you do this? Why do you Gentiles welcome in the Sabbath? Why do you Gentiles celebrate Passover? Why do you Gentiles celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the time that Jesus was born? They will ask you, why do you do this? Gentiles haven't done this before. And the Jew will not be able to get this out of his mind. The Gentiles who have come back to the seven Noahite laws, and I'll explain it, just hold on, they will begin to keep the Sabbath. They will eat kosher, they will celebrate Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, they will celebrate Sukkot and all the high holidays, which is the same thing that Jesus did. I'm going to teach that on Wednesday. Jesus did every one of these things. The Gentiles themselves, now think if this doesn't pertain to some of us sitting here, are watching by television. The Gentiles themselves have no idea that they are ready. They have never heard of the seven Noahide laws. But God is quickly going to raise up leaders amongst them to teach them. Okay, now I want you to think about that. Here this man is prophesying what is prophesied by Isaiah back in the time of Babylon that the Jews will once again fall away from the Word of God and God will in the very last of the last days raise up a spiritual tabernacle of David that will tear down the middle wall between Jew and Gentile and then he says the Gentiles don't even know they're ready yet but God will give them teachers Now you're sitting right now and you're wondering how does this pertain to me? I never heard of the seven Noahide laws. Yes, you have It's just not been taught in the church Because we're so afraid in the Christianity of the word law You've been taught the seven Noahide laws. Don't commit adultery Don't fornicate don't worship idols. Don't steal Don't don't covet your neighbor's wife We've all heard these, but in reality over 2,000 years we've got further from the law and further from the law and further from the law till we have adultery in the pews and adultery in the pulpit because, not because we're bad people, but because the enemy has had a strategy because he knows there's nothing he can do to keep the first coming of the Messiah but if he can keep that middle wall up where Jew and Gentile are not worshiping the same God, but actually enemies, he will keep the second Messiah, the second coming of the Messiah from happening. And Rabbi Steerson says, it's going to happen. You'll see Gentiles beginning to do these things. And he said, many Gentiles don't even know they're ready. Why don't we know they're ready? Now watch this. It's because... The moment we as Christians hear the word law, we freak out because of church teaching and church doctrine. Now listen, I'm about to take you into a revelation that will clarify the word of God for 2,000 years. The rabbi said the Gentiles don't even know they're ready is because of the word law. Law. Now watch this. First Corinthians 14 says God is not the author of confusion and I'm going to show you how the devil has brought confusion into the body of Christ because where there's confusion there's the open door for every evil work. Now watch this watch this Psalms nineteen seven says the law is perfect and the statutes of the lord are right. psalms 119:1. One, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the lord. galatians 3:10. we're not under the curse of the law. romans 6:14. for you are not under the law but grace. what they what then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? god forbid. romans 7:7. 7, 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Verse 12. For where the law is holy, the commandments are holy and just. Verse 14. For we know the law is spiritual. Or how about we're not saved by works, we're saved by grace. And then he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Right? the law is good, the law is bad we're not under the curse of the law, the law is holy whoever follows the law finds life Whoever's under the curse of the law finds death does anybody relate to that? For we are not under the law, but grace. What then shall we sin? God forbid, because we're under the law, we're under grace. And under grace, shall we sin? No. Oh, somebody tell me what that means. Here's the key. Does anybody relate to these scriptures? Because I'll hear a preacher say, We're not under the curse of the law. Now a tenth is the Lord's. The law is sin. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Well, make up your mind. Either I am or I ain't. You're saved by grace, not by works. Now work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Ah! Right? Confusion doesn't come from the Lord. Watch this. Watch this. The key to unlocking the Word of God for the last 2,000 years. Now go back to the Great Assembly. Israel has come out of Babylon. The Great Assembly met and they say, We are committed to keep Israel from backsliding so we bring them back to the Torah. Now watch this. This is out of a book, a a, a famous Jewish study book called The Ethics of the Father. This is a quote from that great assembly after they got the law, the path, and then they'd backslide, hang out with Gentiles, commit adultery, idolatry, back into problems. So they said, we got to stop this mad circle. we got to stop it. Listen to what they said. This is in the great assembly out of Babylon. We must be prudent in judgment, is a quote, and raise up many disciples and make a fence around the Torah, the laws of God. Now let me take a minute, because this is too important for us to rush through. They came out of Egypt, not because of anything, but by grace. And then God said, I'm going to give you a path to walk on. This will no way earn favor. This won't earn favor. But this will so you can have a good life. It's equivalent to us loving our children unconditionally. But teaching them, do your homework. Brush your teeth. Eat your vegetables. Say yes ma'am and no ma'am. It has nothing to do with we loving you more. It's for your own good. So Israel stopped brushing their teeth. Their teeth fell out. God would give them new teeth. They'd brush them for a little while, then they'd stop brushing them because I don't have any more cavities. And then their teeth would get cav. You understand what I'm saying? So they're meeting after. Finally, they go. they're, They're not just being hammered by their enemies. Their enemies control them. They bring them back to Jerusalem. They have this great assembly, and they said, "We've got to stop this cycle." What do we do to keep the people from getting off the path? This is the word they use. We will put a fence around the law. Now, I've known this for 13 years. I've known this term, but oh, when God showed this to me. What does it mean, a fence? The Torah is the written laws of God, the commandments of God. The Mishnah is the oral fence that they put around that word of God? I'll give you an example. They said, Here's the path that we're to walk on. If we get off of this path, we fall off a cliff. So let's, instead of having everybody walk the path, let's come up with some man made laws. And we'll put a fence, here's the path here's the path, but we'll come up with this oral law and put a fence so you can't even get close to the edge of the path. And through this fence, nobody will fall off the edge again. Are you following me? Now watch this. We do the same thing. We do the same thing. I'll give you an example. Is the Bible true, thou shalt not commit adultery? Okay, so as a pastor... I put a fence up for all my staff. We know thou shalt not commit adultery. If you commit adultery, you're disqualified from the ministry. Okay? So we put a fence up, an oral law that's not in the Bible. And we say no male pastor can can counsel a female by himself or with his door closed. If you do, you're fired. That's not in the word of God. So we put up a fence. you can't counsel a woman by yourself so that you don't even get close to the edge. That's what's called in Hebrew, the oral Torah. The church different churches do this. Now hold on because I'm about to give you an incredible revelation. How many have ever seen a church that women can't wear makeup? Or women can't wear jewelry? Okay. That's not in the Bible. The Bible says we ought not dress in a certain provocative way so that we don't look like someone who's immoral. Right? So man puts up this stupid fence... And instead of saying, you know what, don't dress in a provocative way, they go way overboard and they say, don't wear makeup, don't cut your hair, put your hair up in a big beehive bun, women can't wear slacks, don't show any toe in church. These are not God given laws, these are man made laws. Are you following me so far? I know I'm I'm not spitting and shouting today because I want you to get this. So when God gave us the Torah, he gave us the law. The word law is the pathway in Hebrew. He gave us a path that we could walk on so it will be well for us. But man got together and said, God's path is not good enough. We'll come up with man-made paths so that they don't even get close to falling off. The problem is, in Judaism, the oral man-made laws became took on more authority than God's laws. You see, denominations do this all the time. You see Christians do this all the time. You can't do this. Where's that? It's in our bylaws. We don't care about bylaws. We care about God's law. Are you getting this? I'm about to show you something here. Are you getting it so far? Okay, you've got to turn with me to Mark chapter 7. Man cannot approve, improve on God's Word. Man cannot improve on God's Word, but he's constantly trying to do it, and our bylaws, our man-made laws, end up taking more authority than God's law. Now look at me. Why does one time Jesus say I didn't come to do away with the law, but I came to show you how to walk on it And if anybody changes one jot or one tittle of it, they will be the less in the kingdom But those who teach it teach people how to walk on the path. They'll be the greatest But then Paul says we're not under the curse of the law Is the law bad god forbid well, is it or isn't it? Then Jesus says, I've come to show you how to walk on the law. Then he says to the Pharisees, you bind men up with, with heavy burdens. You, 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 you're, you're not even going in yourself. How do we understand this? Watch this. Have you got Mark chapter 7? Watch this. Look at with me in uh, let's See here, verse 1. Now let me, let me say this slowly so you can hear it. Then the Pharisees... And some of the scribes came together to Jesus, to him, having come from Jerusalem. Now when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is, with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding The tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and behold. Like the way you wash your cup, and the way you wash your pitchers, and the way you wash your copper vessels, and the way you wash your tables. Then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according, not the word of God, to the tradition of the elders, the fence, but eat bread with unwashed hands? And he answered and said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines... teaching. Look at me. Teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You, you can't wear makeup. Teaching as doctrines. Doctrines that came from men as if their commandments from god are you following me on this wave at me if you're getting this so far okay because it's because this is this is history changing we're going to change history right here today teaching as doctrines as god's doctrines the commandments of men look at this for laying aside the commandment of god you hold the tradition of men Laying aside, where did this tradition of men come from? In the great assembly. How do we keep them from getting off the path? Let's come up with man-made laws. For the laying aside the commandments of God, you hold to the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups, and many other such things that you do. Many other things you do. And he said to them, All too well... You reject the commandment of God that you may keep the tradition of men. Look at verse 13. Making the word of God of no effect through your tradition which you have handed down and many such things you do. Now look at me. They come to Jesus and they said... Why don't your disciples keep the traditions of our fathers? And Jesus said, Isaiah spoke of you hypocrites. You take the traditions of men and have them override the commandments of God. What does it mean we're not under the curse of the law? Watch this. One of the laws of God was before you eat wash your hands good idea? okay I I shared this on on, I think Wednesday when you go into McDonald's or Pizza Hut or they have something on the mirror and it says if you're an employee of this store or this, this restaurant you must what? Wash your hands. I think that's a good law. I don't want somebody that just went to the bathroom, walking out, making my pizza dough, if they didn't wash their hands. I don't care if you're saved by grace. Wash your hands. Yeah, but you can eat any deadly thing. Wash your hands everything God teaches us has two sides what are they spiritual and physical God says wash your hands why number one there are germs they didn't know about germs that's why during, during the dark ages and the bubonic plague wiped out millions of people in Europe they blamed the Jews because the Jews didn't get sick They said, you must be doing it. No, they were told by God. Now, this won't get you to heaven. This won't find favor, but it'll keep the plague from getting on you. Wash your hands. Right? Okay. The other thing is, is when you wash your hands, it makes you stop to realize God is the one who is blessing this meal. So the physical is wash your hands so you don't get germs. The spiritual is wash your hands so that you can remember it is the Lord God who's blessed you with this meal. That's the Torah. But in the great assembly, they put a fence around it. It's called the oral or man-made laws. Let me give you the man-made law that they're rebuking Jesus' disciples on, right here in this chapter. This is out of their book on the washing of hands. If a man poured water over one hand with a single rinsing, his hand is clean. But if over both hands with a single rinsing, the rabbi declares them unclean unless he pours them over a quarter log or more. If a loaf of heaven offering fell on the water it remains clean but the rabbi declares then but it is unclean and if he pours the first water over the one place and the second water over the other place and the loaf of the heave offering over fell on the first water then it becomes unclean. But if it fell on the second it remains clean. So if he poured the first water on the second water over the same place of the loaf of the heave offering that it fell upon it becomes unclean. That if he poured the first water over his hands and a piece of water gravel was found that his hands his hands remain unclean <sighs> that's why Jesus said you bind men up with heavy burdens you're straining at a gnat and swallowing the camel. Don't worry if you pour it over one hand, but if it falls and the sun sets in the east and the wind's from the west and your left heel is up in the air, then the clean water's up. That's not what it says. Wash your hands so you're clean. In the Greek, there is no word for legalism. So Paul had explained the word law, man-made law, or God-made law, the word law is numos. There is no word for legalism in the Greek. So when it was legalism or man-made law, he put in under the law, legalism. This is legalism. They came to Jesus and said, your disciples came from the marketplace and they ate with it. So in other words, if you're starving to death and there is no water and there is no place to wash... You're not allowed to eat. You would starve to death rather than eat because you didn't have clean hands. Listen, I'm going to Alaska to hunt sheep. I'm going to be on a mountaintop for 10 days. Many times we don't have enough water to drink. But when it comes to eat, I'm going to eat. When we got water, i wash my hands. But if we don't have water, I'm not under the curse of the law. Jesus is walking in the field. Him and his disciples pick wheat. And they rebuked him for not keeping man-made laws concerning the Sabbath. And Jesus said, you don't get it. It's not about legalism. It's about revelation. Don't you understand Man is not made to serve the Sabbath. Yes, the law of God says remember the Sabbath and keep it. But all this stuff that adds on to it, did not come from God. It came from the great assembly. It binds men up with heavy burdens. Man is not made to serve the Sabbath. The Sabbath, why do we remember the Sabbath? The Sabbath was made to serve us and bring us that miracle rest that we need in our lives. That's why Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the law. That's why Paul said, "Should we do away with the law? God forbid! It's holy." But this is why Paul and Peter, when Peter had the vision and he saw the, 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 these these unclean animals coming down from heaven, he said, "Lord, said take and eat." And he said, "Lord, I'm not going to take and eat. I've never eaten any unclean thing." And then all of a sudden he realized, "I'm not talking about things to eat. I'm talking about." People, I'm about to tear down the middle wall. Gentiles are about to have the Holy Ghost poured on them. Watch this. Watch this. One of the 613 of the commandments of God, one of the 613, one of them is to bring the Torah to the Gentiles. Now watch this. One of the great scriptures... In Judeo teaching is out of Deuteronomy 4, 6, and 7. Now, don't turn there. But God is telling them, keep stay on the path. Why? That it may be well and good and long. But listen to the end of that. Keep the Torah. Stay on the path. And the blessing of God will be so strong on you that the nations, the Gentiles, will see the blessing. And the Gentiles will say... For what great nation is there that has a God so near? It is as if the Lord God is there whenever they call on him. God said when you walk on the path and you keep the Torah and you remember the Sabbath, it's not legalism. That's why, that's why Paul said, I'm, don't, don't bind me up with those heavy burdens. Don't bind us up with those. That's why Jesus rebuked him. They said one of the commandments for Jews is to wear, wear the tallit. But he said, but you've gone overboard. You make your, your, you make your phylacteries real long. There are only so many knots, but you make them real long. Why? So when you put your coat on, people will see how religious you are and he said you don't do that for god you do that to be seen by other men you lock up the kingdom to others with all these man-made laws and you're not even going in yourself it doesn't mean we ought not remember the sabbath it doesn't mean we ought not commit adultery it doesn't mean we ought not steal when 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 peter says why do you or James says? Why do you give them these things that even our fathers couldn't carry? Our fathers could carry don't commit adultery Our fathers could carry don't steal our fathers could carry wash their hands Our fathers could carry forgive others so God can forgive you along with the fence along with the fence That is man-made laws that Jesus rebuked and Peter rebuked but then said God's law is wonderful along with that the number one law is don't touch the Gentiles that's why in the book of Acts they rebuked Peter for eating with the Gentiles but in Acts 10 Peter said I discovered there's no wall that divides us that God is for the Jew as well as for the Gentile and now you and I have come full circle in Deuteronomy God says keep the law and the world will see the miracles in your life and they will say does anyone have a God like this and now we've come full circle Well, Rabbi Schneerson says the Gentiles don't even know they're ready, but they will begin to keep the word of God. And the Jews will say, why are you doing this? But then they will see the signs and the wonders and the miracles, and they will run back to the Torah. And that wall can finally, for the first time in 2,000 years, be torn down because there is no middle wall That separates us as we worship together the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Can I have an amen? Amen. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy this path. I came to show you how to walk on it. Why? Why? We're saved by grace. Why should we walk on this? That it may be good for you. A curse without a cause doesn't come jesus has paid the price in full he shed his blood seven different times in the garden at the whipping post crown of thorns in his hands in his feet in his side went to the gates of hell stamped on the devil's forehead wounded for our transgressions bruised for our curses and took the keys and he says who do you say that i am And Peter said, you are the Christ. He said, I give you the keys. Now whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loosen on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And when the Lord comes, he's coming for a bride with no sickness, no disease, no debt. He's coming for a bride that's manifesting. How? We're going to add to our faith knowledge. We are not under the curse of man-made laws. But we are on the fence. The middle wall is coming down. And we're coming back on the path. And you and I are going to become those children of miracles. So when someone says, well, we're not under the curse of the law. You said, absolutely. I can eat even if I don't wash my hands. But it's better to wash my hands. I'm saved if I even, even if I don't tithe. But it's better to tithe so I can live under the windows of open heaven. I'm saved even if I don't forgive but if I forgive, God will forgive me and the blessings will come. I'm saved even if I don't lift my hands and praise God, but God does inhabit the praises of his people. I'm saved even if I'm a racist, but I'm going to tell you something. Racists are not living on the streets of gold. They're going to be on a gravel courtyard with a mobile home. Paul said in Romans that... Jesus Christ is the end of the law You go to Strong's concordance and it said Jesus Christ Is the point? the goal at which we are aiming as we walk on the path as we walk on the path of forgiving our brother God in having the praise of his people of giving so it can be given unto us our goal is to be like Jesus. That path does not save us, but it guides us so that we can be Christ-like and as the light of... Let let me me share this one with you. Remember when Jesus said, you're the light of the world? A light is no good if it's lit but then put under a basket. He wasn't talking to us then in matthew there was no us in matthew he's talking to the jews and he's telling talking to them out of deuteronomy you're the light of the world as you walk on the path god will bless you so much your life will be well and it'll be long and it'll be good and everybody around you go why are you so happy why are you so blessed why are you so prosperous And you can tell them because I serve the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob and they will want what you have He said, what good is it now that you put this fence up? You don't even get near the end. The final fence was don't touch a Gentile Don't touch a Gentile every time we get around Gentiles we start acting like them So you can't even touch one. How many have ever seen the movie fiddler on the roof? Remember when they're going to dance? And the Gentile, his, his, Tevye's daughter's going to get married and the, gen, the Gentile puts his hand out and he goes, that's because of the fence. That's because of the fence. That's why Paul said, don't you hang around with adulterers and fornicators. But then he had to throw in. Now I'm not talking to them that are in the world because you're called to be the light of the world. I'm talking about them that are in the church. Today, for the first time in 2,000 years, I've heard it, the law is blessed, the law is cursed, I've come to not do away with the law. You bind men up with heavy burdens, things that even our fathers couldn't bear, and it doesn't make any sense. There is man-made law, and there is God's path. And God's path, even though we're in a world of darkness, it will be a light unto our feet. So that you and I don't get lost and we get to where God wants us with all the blessings paid in full. Can I have a great big amen?